Welcome to The Ridge, where we bring you high level of debate about serial and marching band. So here's a question I just kind of want to ask you to think about as we start our time together. What's your greatest desire? I mean, I think, think a little bit bigger than I want you to, like I want to go home and go to sleep. Or think a little bit bigger than I want to have a nice day. Like really, truly, in your life, the thing that you have wished for the most. What would make you the happiest? Got your answer kind of locked in? Now, what if I told you there was a machine that would give you any experience that you desired? And no, it's not the new item coming out from Apple. But you would plug into this machine and it would allow you to experience every bliss, every dream, every desire, all of those things would come true. I mean, so you could be the star basketball player. You could become the greatest inventor ever known. You could have the perfect family. You could be the most famous chef in the world. You could eat food and not have to worry about the calories. You could have an unlimited budget and you could buy whatever you want and the Colts would win the Super Bowl every year. In reality, though, you'd be unconscious. You'd be in a life support tank. And the machine would make you believe everything is real, but it wouldn't be real at all. So the question is, like, do you plug in? That's kind of a weird, tough decision. It sounds a lot like maybe a better version of the last Matrix movie. Or it sounds like the... Next season of Stranger Things, you know, Stranger Things season five, the dream machine, you know, whatever. But you have this option, and your choice is final. And if you plug into the machine, your life is done as you know it, but you experience bliss. So do you plug in? Maybe some of us would, maybe some of us wouldn't. And if I'm being honest, it's kind of tempting at times, especially if you're having a bad day. Now, this is an actual thought experiment by a philosopher named Robert Nozick. And his hope with the experiment is to explore this concept that our main goal in life is to be happy. Is that your main goal? So when we're presented the idea of the dream machine, we're kind of confronted with this thought. Like, do we choose to be happy or does other stuff matter? And there's a survey actually done in 2016. Americans were asked if they would rather achieve great things or be happy? Which would you have chosen? Great things or be happy? 81% of people said happy. 13% said great things and 6% were confused by the question. <laughs> but sometimes whether we realize it or not, we kind of put happiness on this pedestal. We put happiness as our greatest goal in life. It's even a foundation of our country. You know, the pursuit of happiness not the movie, the Declaration of Independence. Does this sound familiar? We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are, do you know them? Same with me. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Way to go, sixth grade history. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
And we've made the pursuit of happiness one of the most important things in our lives. So we ask ourselves things like, does this relationship make you happy? And if not, quit it. doesn't matter if you've committed to it or not. Does your job make you happy? If not, get a different one. Does your home make you happy? If not, buy a new one. Your debt doesn't matter. Does your body make you happy? Uh, you can buy a new one, whatever. Does your diet make you happy? Well, you should eat what you want. Does your life make you happy? Kind of as the pinnacle of the questions in our lives. And if it doesn't, we feel like we're doing something wrong. And even in the midst of us living our lives, and we're doing our best to enjoy our lives, we're doing our best to be happy, something happens all the time. Life happens. Something goes wrong, and we lose a job, or we fail the class, or we get into debt, or receive the diagnosis, or a relationship crumbles, and we are anything but happy. Now, we're in this series that we're calling True-ish. And this concept of the pursuit of happiness is kind of a true-ish idea. It's not that it's all bad. It's just not all good either. And this concept of the pursuit of happiness kind of comes into direct interaction with the way we interact with each other, the way we interact with our view of God. So here's what I mean. See, we believe that God wants us to be happy, right? And when we're not happy, God messed it up. This is the truest belief. God wants us to be happy, and when we're not, God failed. Or if you're really kind of virtuous, we failed. But the reality is, if we're not happy, something's wrong. And we get the divorce papers, we go to the funeral, we wake up and we don't feel like ourselves. We can barely get out of bed or we look at the mirror and we go, I don't recognize this person anymore. And we think, God, what are you doing? I just want to be happy. Is that too much to ask? Don't you want me to be happy? So you see how big of a deal this is. And here's why it really gets confusing. It's easier if we were to say, well, God actually doesn't care about our happiness at all. But that's not true. God does care about our happiness, actually. Check this out. This is Psalm 89, starting verse 15. Happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship. For they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice all day long in your wonderful reputation. So what's this saying? When we read something like this, it's easy to go, well, I don't understand what this means. What this is saying is we have a relationship with God. We're following Jesus. We've surrendered our lives to him. Happiness, joy, rejoicing comes from it. And when I read something like this, it's easy to think, so if I follow Jesus, then I'm happy. That's the end of it. It says it. Happy, follow Jesus, happy, follow Jesus, happy. And that's true-ish. It's not quite all the way. It's not quite in the way we think. And this concept that God wants us to be happy, which is true, gets fuzzy when we aren't happy because we would rather pursue happiness than pursue holiness. So today we're talking about happiness, but we're not talking about the pursuit of it. We're talking about the truth of it. Here are three truths that are really important about happiness and our relationship with God. And I think that they kind of help us understand our lives and our relationships better. Check this out. This is truth number one. Truth does not equal happiness. Without a belief in absolute truth. So what's absolute truth means that there is right and there is wrong. 
no matter what we feel, no matter what we think. We don't live our lives that way. You know how we live our lives? This is how I describe it. We live our lives by this phrase, whatever floats your boat. What does that mean? No idea. But we use it all the time, don't we? Like whatever, whatever's true for you, whatever feels good to you, whatever makes you happy. You do you, boo. As long as it doesn't hurt anyone else, right? As long as it makes you happy and it doesn't impact anybody else in um, a way. And we slip into this truish thought that truth is defined by whatever makes me happy. And happiness is how we make decisions even, right? If it makes me happy, it must be good. Why would God have created chocolate if he didn't want me to eat it all the time? See, we think that way. If it makes us happy, this is good. And since God wants me to be happy, then he's okay with what I do if I am happy. That's the pursuit of happiness. But truth, truth doesn't always mean happiness. It doesn't equal it. Happiness isn't always true. Here's another way of saying it. Not all things that are true make us happy. I can prove it to you. I can't eat whatever I want and be healthy, and it does not make me happy. I'm allergic to blackberries. I love blackberries. Doesn't make me happy. The Colts will likely not win the Super Bowl this year. Doesn't make me happy. See, not all things that are true make us happy. There are all sorts of things that are true in our world that don't make us happy. Cancer exists, doesn't make us happy. People struggle with anxiety and depression every day and doesn't make us happy. There are people in this room that have been abused that are in situations right now that are unsafe. That doesn't make me happy. But when we pursue happiness first, we start to ignore everything else. We ignore anything that doesn't make us happy or doesn't fit into kind of the feelings that we want to have. Truth doesn't equal happiness because not all things that are true should make us happy. But here's, a, here's the other side of the coin. Not all things that make us happy are even good for us. And we know that's true because we have diets and we have gyms and we have reminders in our phone to go on our diets and go to our gyms. If it was as simple as whatever makes me happy, then we'd do it. And honestly, a lot of things don't feel good that are good for us. A lot of things that feel good for us aren't good for us. That sounds like this, just a little bit more, just one more sip of alcohol, just one more conversation. I'm going to say it. I don't really care if it's kind. Those are, those are kind of true-ish thoughts. And see, not all things make us happy in the moment. Or things make us happy in the moment and they're good for us in the long run. Here's my example of that. Here's something that feels good in the moment, but is not good for me in the long run. I love White Castle. I have never once in my life felt good about it a couple hours later. (laughs) But the reality is, right, those are real things. It makes you happy in the moment. Time passes, things change, and all of a sudden, maybe it wasn't only happiness that we should be pursuing. Truth doesn't equal happiness. It's a foundational concept because even God desires happiness for us, but it's not at the cost of other things. It's not first. So here's the second truth about happiness. 
So if the first one is truth doesn't equal happiness, here's the second one. Holiness is greater than happiness. Here's where we're going to get down into the nitty gritty of it. God's desire for our happiness is rooted in something else. It's rooted in holiness. So what does that mean? What does holy mean? What does holiness talking about? Well, holiness, kind of simply, using just normal words, it sets us apart from the world, and we're living by God's standard. We're special, and not like special bus special, like special in the sense that we have been created and are in relationship, deep relationship with God. So our happiness, our joy, our hope is rooted in this foundation of holiness, being set apart by living by God's standard. Happiness is the result. It's not the point. Check this out. This is 1 Peter 1.15. This is what it says. But now you must be happy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is happy. That's not what it says. You must be holy. You must be set apart. You must be living by God's standard in everything you do, just as God who chose you is set apart and living by his standard. Happiness doesn't trump holiness. Holiness is the foundation for happiness. Holiness means we're more focused and we're more concerned with the things of heaven than the things of earth. Are you more concerned with the things of heaven or the things of earth? That's a hard question. That's a challenging question. Here's how this plays out. I was having a conversation with somebody here recently, a friend of mine, care deeply about this friend. And this friend came up and I found out that he and his wife, he and his wife had gotten a divorce. I had no idea. My heart sank when I heard it. And the next time I talked to him, I said, just what happened, man? Like, what's going on? And we talked, and it came down to this statement, and I think this statement rules our life in a way that we just don't like to admit. But here's the statement that he said to me. He said, "Ah, we just weren't happy, man. So we divorced. And I wanted to say all of these things, like, here's why that's not right, and marriage is this, and dude, you remember what the pastor said, and like, what part of till death do you part do you not understand? You know, all this type of stuff. And this wasn't an abusive situation. It wasn't an abandonment situation. It was a they weren't happy situation. Do you ever live your life like that? There's something right before you, and you're like, hey, it doesn't make me happy, so I'm not going to do it. That's the pursuit of happiness. And we think, hey, if doing this thing makes me happy, even though it's wrong, it must be okay, or it's not that big of a deal, because God wants me to be happy. So what makes you happy? And it might not be wrong stuff, it's true-ish stuff. There's all sorts of stuff in our lives and in our world that are good things to pursue if they're not number one. They just can't be the greatest thing in our lives. Holiness should be greater than happiness. Holiness means we're more focused, we're more concerned with the things of heaven than the things of earth. Here's 1 John 2, starting in verse 15. Let's kind of dig into this. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. What's the world offering you? For when you love the world... You do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers you a craving for physical pleasure, a.k.a. White Castle. A craving for everything we see. Pride in our achievements and our possessions. What did you, 
Like, what will make you the happiest? What was your decision? Like, what are you pursuing in your life? Physical pleasure, what you see, pride, achievement, possessions, these are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. White Castle, what you crave, it is their like byline. Didn't know that until today. I was really excited about it when I found out. But the reality is, listen, listen. We think, hey, it's not that big of a deal. I'll put it on my credit card. And then before we know it, we're buying something we didn't need with money we didn't have to impress somebody we don't even like. Or it feels good, it's okay. I can have sex with who I want, when I want, how I want. Love is love. It's not hurting anybody. You don't get to tell me what to do. Or I'll do whatever I need to get ahead. The end does justify the means. It doesn't matter if I lied. It doesn't matter if I gossip. It doesn't matter if I stole. It doesn't matter if I played dirty because I didn't get caught. But let's put verse 17 back up. This world is fading away. All of those things that we pursue are fading away. They slip through our fingers. Everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. See, happiness is rooted in holiness. And happiness rooted in the world is fading away. It goes away. It's something that comes and goes. But anyone who does what pleases God, that's actually just the definition of holiness, living by his standard, set apart. Anyone who's all about the pursuit of holiness will live forever. Let's compare the pursuit of holiness, the pursuit of happiness. Happiness dies today. Holiness lives forever. So happiness does not equal the truth. Just because it makes us happy doesn't mean it's true. And holiness is way greater than happiness. It's actually the foundation of happiness. So here's the third truth. Kind of brings it all together. This is amazing because God does care if we're happy. Check this out. Here's the third truth about happiness. Joy equals happiness. See, God wants us to be happy. He does. Not at the expense of holiness, not at the expense of truth, but God's desire is that as we draw closer to him, as we become holy, we're filled with something that goes beyond kind of fleeting happiness. Good word for it is joy. The word in the Bible that's translated as joy could just be called a state of happiness. Joy is a state of of happiness. So every time you're interacting with this concept of joy, you're actually talking about gladness. You're actually talking about happiness. And like we were just talking about, when we're more concerned with the things of heaven, that's when the magic happens. So I was thinking about a way to kind of prove it to you. Like how do we kind of dig into this concept? How do we dig into thoughts about happiness? So I came across this psalm. This is Psalm 112. This is what it says, how joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. This is kind of a good encapsulation of what we're talking about. Joy comes from holiness. We've been talking about it all morning. And the word joyful means happy. And how happy are those who fear the Lord? How happy are those who have a relationship with Jesus, who follow Jesus, believe in the truth of Jesus, 
Believe that Jesus died on the cross and delight in obeying his commands. That's what this verse is saying. And then the psalm goes on to describe what happiness is like. So here's what I want you to do. We're going to read through this psalm. We've highlighted some words. And what I want you to do is to actually think about, do you desire these things? Do you want to pursue these things in your life? Do these things sound good to you? Check this out. This is verse 2. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. This does sound pretty good, but I want to make sure that we understand that God does not mean that you will be rich in money. See, it's not the things of this world, right? Those things go through our fingers. It's the things of heaven. So what are we rich in? What are we wealthy in? Wealthy in relationship with Jesus, wealthy in spirit, wealthy in provision, not money, not power, not pride, not success in the world's view, success in God's view. Happiness comes from these things. This is verse four. Light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous, compassionate, righteous. Good comes to those who lend money generously, says it twice, and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Do you want to overcome evil? It's talking about holiness here. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. There's a legacy that comes along with this. They do not fear bad news. Do you want to fear bad news? Do you want to get over bad news? Do you want hope in bad news in your life? It's talking about holiness. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident, they are fearless, and they can face their foes triumphantly. They share freely and give generously, third time they say generous, by the way, to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. And if you didn't like any of that, think about the worst person in your life, the person you don't like. The wicked will see this and be infuriated. They will grind their teeth in anger. They will slink away, their hopes thwarted. So what is happening here is this is what it looks like to have joy in holiness. This is what it looks like to not. Not much of a choice. So remember, another word for joy in this psalm, rejoice in this psalm, is happy. And the pursuit of holiness leads to a life of happiness. So I want to be really clear about something. Just laser clear. The pursuit of happiness does not lead to happiness. It's not all like sometimes it does and other times it doesn't. There are all sorts of things that we put first in the world and they are good things. They're true-ish things. We hope these things for our kids. We hope these things for our marriages. We hope these things for our community. We hope these things for our world, and they are not bad things. But if we put them first over God, they distract. Have you ever been in a situation where you've been praying something for a really long time, like a job situation, and you're like, man, if just this, if we just could pay off this bill, if we just could catch up in this way, if we just could make it, and you pray, and you pray, and you pray, and you get there, And then like the next day, you're like, we had the kid, and this is hard. Or you have the marriage, and you're like, it doesn't feel like the honeymoon all the time. 
Or even you have a relationship with God and you're like, there's effort, there's work. It doesn't feel happy all the time. Right, because the pursuit of happiness doesn't lead to happiness. The pursuit of holiness leads to happiness. It's this amazing byproduct. So today, I think it's important to talk about how we're going to pursue this holiness that we're talking about. How do we focus on heaven? And there are a lot of ways. There are ways that we talk about all the time. Hey, read your Bible. We have something called the Ridge Reading Challenge where you can walk through kind of the Bible each day. That's an amazing example of how to focus on holiness, how to pursue holiness. Pray in your prayer life and interacting there, community with other believers. All of those things are awesome things. But I think what we're going to do is we're, going to, we're just going to ask a couple of questions that help us reveal how we get caught up in this pursuit of happiness. Just a couple of questions. I'm going to challenge you wherever you are. Stop, wake up. Just pay attention to these two questions. Let God kind of work in these two questions. Don't ignore this. Check this out. Here's the first one. Do you justify wrong behavior because it makes you happy? Things just got real here at the ridge. Do you? Is there something that you do, that you know you do, and you justify it even though maybe it's wrong or maybe you haven't surrendered it to God because it makes you feel better in the moment maybe or it makes you happy or you'll deal with it later? It can be so many things. I don't want to deal with the conflict right now, you know. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to interact with that. Like, just let them do their thing. It's not that big of a deal. I'll deal with it later. That's a pursuit of happiness. I'll eat what I want. I'll drink what I want. I'll say what I want. I'll go where I want. I'll sniff what I want. I'll smoke what I want. It's not really up to you. You don't get to tell me what to do. Relationships, money, jobs, wants, desires. There are so many answers to this question. So I don't know what you pursue the most in your life. I don't know what's the most important thing in your life. What that thing that you would have plugged into that machine would have given you. I don't know. But do you justify behavior in your life because it makes you happy? Here's the second question. Do you find happiness in the things of the world more than the things of heaven. This is all of us. This is all of us. But if you think about the things that make you the happiest, when are you the happiest? How many of those things are things of heaven? Some of them might be, and that's awesome. Celebrate that. But if we find happiness in the things of this world more than the things of heaven, it's a big deal. I was thinking about this the other day. When's the last time you ate a meal that you didn't like? We don't do that very often. Maybe some of you do. You're like, I'm on a diet and it's every day. I don't know what it is for you. But that's an example. When's the last time you sacrificed for something you didn't want to do? When's the last time you prioritized faith or God in a way that was inconvenient or challenged you or wasn't comfortable? That's what we're talking about here. It's not just the easy things to say, well, I would never do that. What makes you the happiest? Is it God? That's really what it comes down to. And if you've answered yes to these things, no, it's not God. Yes, 
I justify behavior. Yes, I find happiness in if my kids are happy or if my pocketbook is happy or if my belly is happy or if my relationship is happy rather than the things of God. Or are you impacted when those things aren't happening? Are you happy even though those things are bad? If you can't answer yes to that, that's another indicator maybe we need to pursue holiness. So if you answered yes to these things, here we go. Here's what we need to do next. I'm just going to go through them quickly. There are three things we've talked about before. It's a good exercise, though. Here's what you do. First, you catch it. So identify what behavior. Ask God to help you identify what behavior, if you're brave. Hey, God, help me identify what I find happiness in, especially if it's not you. Tell God what you pursue. Ask him for help to catch it. So you have to identify it first before we do anything about it. But here's the second one. Then we confess it. And that sounds super scary, but really it's just telling someone, telling someone who loves you, telling God, say, hey, I think I'm justifying this behavior. I think I'm pursuing happiness in this. And it sounds like this, God, I'm sorry for pursuing happiness in this blank. I'm sorry I'm pursuing happiness in a way that doesn't honor you. I need your help. And I'm here to tell you, if you say I'm sorry and I need your help, God will forgive you. He will help you. And if you pursue holiness, he will do this third thing. And it is, you will change that behavior. God can use all sorts of different tools and methods and people to change our behavior. Do things to pursue the things of God, though the things of heaven, the things of holiness. And we say, I don't know how, we complicate it. But remember, holiness is just meaning we're living by God's standard. It's just obedience. It's pursuing the things of God first rather than the things of happiness first. And if you need help with this, I need help with this. We want to come alongside you. There'll be people down here in front. You can text the word chat to 812-408-1188. But hear me, I have never met someone who doesn't pursue happiness in some way, including myself. It is easy to go, that person over there pursues happiness in this way. I ain't got no problem. Well, the reality is the pursuit of holiness leads to a life of happiness. And we don't have to plug into some magic dream machine to be happy. We don't have to pursue happy to be happy because he loves us so much that he sent Jesus and he destroyed all of that. We only have to pursue him. It's because of the cross and the way that Jesus loves us. That's it. It stops. Hard stop there. So if you are pursuing happiness, if your deepest desire is like, I just want to feel whole, I want to feel loved, I don't know what to do, it's Jesus. It has always been Jesus, and it always will be Jesus. It's love through Jesus And we have to pursue that love, that relationship. And when we read about joy or gladness or happiness in the Bible, it's incomparable to how we read about joy and happiness and gladness on the blog. The pursuit of our relationship with Jesus is rooted in this love, and it's the things of heaven, this love that leads us to happiness. The pursuit of holiness leads to happiness. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I'm reminded right now in this moment that you love us so much 
that you don't let us get caught in this happiness spiral. That the things of this world, even though they're attractive, even though they catch our attention, as we keep our eyes focused on you and your love that just grows and grows, you provide happiness in ways I don't think that we can even possibly imagine. So much so that we're in this situation and we are struggling or our circumstances are dour, but we still have joy. We still have happiness that comes from you, from your love, because you love us so much. You love us so much you sent your son. You love us so much he died on the cross willingly. You love us so much that he went to the grave. You love us so much that you conquered death through him, that even though we fall short all the time of meeting your holiness standard, that you meet us where we are and you say, hey, I'm pursuing you and your pursuit of holiness. So help us catch it, whatever it is. Help us confess it. God, we're sorry for however we fill in that blank that it's not you. God, help us change it this week that we might live lives full of love in this pursuit of holiness. And it's in Jesus' name and because of his love that we pray. Amen.